Let's talk about Lyft and Zeth. So last week, we had Zeth in the nosebleed uh, seats up above talking to Nail, and Nail's like, well, the singers are native to Roshar, so the Skybreakers are going to swear to the singers. And Zeth thinks to himself in this chapter, well, I mean, that doesn't really make that much sense. I mean, I understand where you're coming from, but I want to trust Dalinar instead. Which actually, on, on retrospect, if this chapter had gone a different way, and Dalinar had become the champion of the Nine Shadows, we could have had a real problem on our hands. <laughs> real. But it doesn't happen that way, and we're fine. But what were you guys' thoughts on Zeth choosing to swear himself, his third ideal swear to Dalinar Kolin, and follow him to a fault? Okay. Zeth is my favorite. I'm going to walk us through a couple things. Okay. Okay. First, I, I just want give, to give like an overarching narrative here. So at the start of our reading... Zeth is still in the nosebleeds. He's talking to Nin, or Nail, whatever you want to call him. Um, and he asks the question, right, of, like, my thir third ideal. Can I swear to a person? Pretty much that was, like, what it is. Can I swear to a person? And when I was reading this, I wasn't sure who the person was. I was like, is he going to swear himself to Nail? Or, like, or what? I thought he might swear himself to Kaladin, because he seemed to be kind of, like, all in awe of Kaladin whenever he found out he was a, you know, surge binder, all that stuff. Anyways, yeah. we see Lyft at the start of the reading talking with Dalinar, which was maybe my favorite Lyft conversation we've ever had. I loved it to death because he's there holding his book and she's like, what are you doing here holding a book? And he's like, I have, I don't remember his exact quote. Um, I can quote the whole thing for you if you want. Uh, go, go for it. <laughs> The only quote I remember is <laughs> Delinor asks Lyft, do you have a weapon, or do you want a weapon? And she's like, no thanks, I can't read. <laughs> and it was really funny. That was my favorite Lyft moment the, ever. The the cliff, One of the cliffhangers we got last episode is Dalinar walks through the breach in the wall and he's alone. And that's like the last word of the of the chapter, alone. And then Immediately, right in the next chapter, Lyft kind of just appears right next to him. And Dalinar's like, I thought you left. And she's like, yep, but I'm back. Are you going to fight all these guys by yourself? And he's like, yeah, my army turned. And Lyft says, oh, did you forget to feed him? And Dalinar says, well, I guess I just didn't try hard enough. And then Lyft says, so you're going to fight all these guys with a book? And then Dalinar says, well, I'm not fighting these guys. There's another guy I need to fight here with a book. Yes. Do you have a weapon, Lift? Nope. I, I don't know how to read. <laughs> great, Classic. great scene. Excellent, excellent summary. Well, wow, I'm impressed. I need to get on that level. Um, so yes, uh, Lift can't read, but Dalinar tells her about the gem, right? Which we talked about last... The King's I forgot the Drop. name of it. The King's... King's Gem? King's Rock? The King's, King's Drop. Stone? King's Drop. Okay. The King's Drop. And he's like, will you go take this for us? 
And she's like, yeah, I'll just slip, or sli- slip and slide around. And so she goes, does all that, ends up getting in a bit of trouble. Was it with the Thunder class that she's yep. kind of pinned by? Uh, it, like, crushes her. And she's trying to heal, but she's literally been crushed by a Thunder class. And then, then, in a flash of black and white, Zeth swoops in with Nightblood drawn, kills the Thunderclass just like that, and they have a little moment, like a little, oh, haha, I'm helping Dalinar too. And then, um, which was super dope, because don't forget, from the beginning of the book, Zeth's soul is not quite reattached right, so he has like a silhouette like illusion behind him that's white as well and he's all in white and he has the black sword and it may be the coolest imagery ever ever just ever so i love that a lot um and then he proceeds to like fly around and just kill everything and i think i even made a comment in our last episode of like yeah well zeth could just fly in and make quick work of everyone and he kind of did for a bit there my favorite part about this scene is he comes down and splits the Thunderclass in half, and then it talks about Nightblood consuming it, literally eating the Thunderclass, and it sucks it into the sword, it sucks all the void light out of the Thunderclass, and it consumes it, just straight up. Crazy. What what an image. Paul, I think you mentioned the the black and white, like the two colors of, of you know, Zeth and Nightblood, just I can just imagine it like cleaving through this thunderclass to to save Lyft from being crushed. Like, oh my! And it gets even better. So the real thing that like begins to slow Zeth down is the fact that he has drawn night night blood, and night blood is just feasting on his stormlight. Um, and someone comes and takes Zeth's sheath. For Nightblood, mm-hmm. which I never thought of, but that's going to be like the weakness, like the weakness as the wielder, right? Because he won't stop draining until you're nothing. So Zeth gets to a point that his arm is kind of like blackened, like the veins start turning black and then part of his arm starts turning black. And he's kind of just being drugged around by Nightblood um, at this point, which is just really crazy. Um. And then, I don't remember if Zeth, or if Lyft does things between there and then, but Lyft comes kind of to, to Zeth's side and kind of imbues him with Stormlight, right? Or heals him or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, is that when they go meet up with Dalinar? Yeah, we'll talk about um, that in a second. When Dalinar has, er, sorry, Zeth has pledged his fealty to Dalinar, but I don't think Dalinar even knows that yet. He does He's, not. Like, it's kind of funny. Yeah. He Zeth comes down and kills the Thunderclast, and then says to Lyft, "What? What do you need? I saw you were talking to Dalinar. What does he need?" And Lyft says, "Okay, we need to go get the King's Drop. Can you distract the guards for me with how sad he is?" And Zeth says, "Sure." And then Nightblood gets a little carried away. As soon as Zeth says, yeah, I can do that, he he literally gets towed along by Nightblood. Nightblood just takes off and starts killing Halsadius, and Lyft is just standing there like, 
okay, let's go this way, as far away from him as possible, and goes and tries to get the king's drop, which she doesn't end up doing until later in 120, but Zeth is definitely subject to Nightblood up until uh, 119, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a second. The, the comparison between the two of them <clears throat> is actually interesting for me. We've got Nightblood, who is all about destroy evil, but he doesn't actually know what evil is. He just really destroys everything. And then you have Zeth, who's incredibly powerful on his own and is supposed to follow a law, but he doesn't know what law to follow. So you have these two, like, the book even talks about, like, are they a metaphor for each other, I think is the thought in the in, in the passage, and there it's an interesting comparison and a very dangerous pair. I gotta say, we we've taken an incredibly powerful person and given them an incredibly powerful weapon. Each of them, up until like this point, not having a whole lot of direction for their power, and now Zeth has aligned all of that to Dalinar. Interesting. It is. Exactly the, the things you were saying, uh, Elliot, are some of the, the reasons why Zeth has been my favorite character since we started, honestly. Like, I can't remember a time reading this that I didn't want more Zeth content and didn't want to learn more about Zeth and his past or his future, his redemption arc, whatever. Um, And I think it's partly because, like, he seems to be you know, whatever, if sands and butts, who's the strongest, whatever, he may not be the strongest, but he seems to have the most effective power that we've seen showcased throughout our, our overall storyline. Like, he is the assassin in white, he's got quite a reputation, right? Um, not only that, but now he has Nightblood, which we have gotten to see is probably the strongest thing we've seen. I don't know if we're not counting Odium or whatever. He's also pretty strong. But this just sword... Pretty strong. Yeah, he's and... pretty strong. Um, but this sword, Nightblood, really does whatever it wants. Whenever it's drawn, or whenever it's not drawn even sometimes, he, he kills anything. He'll eat a Thunderclass like it's nothing. Like, just whatever. And so the pairing is insane. That's something I never thought we would get from the start. But also, yeah, like, I never thought about that they're, like, sort of a metaphor for each other. It's quite a unhinged pairing. Like, they're yeah. both very strong, but also incredibly fragile personalities. Yeah. I actually don't know if I would consider Zeth a strong personality, because I don't know if he fully knows what he wants or thinks. He wants to do right, I believe but doesn't exactly know what right is or what wrong is. or It is just a lot, a mess. And uh, Nightblood is very determined to defeat evil or to destroy what is wrong. But to him, everything is wrong. So it's, it's, uh, they need a really good counselor, a very good counselor. I have a question for Trevor in all of this. So Zeth, says something in chapter 119 
that sounds like an ideal, but I can't tell if it is. And I was just flipping to it to to read it, and it actually is in the scene where Yasna is kind of grilling him a little bit, like, you know, wait a second, we're all knights radiant, and we've got the assassin in white with us. And his response back is, I serve Dalinar Kolin. I cannot know truth, so I follow one who does. Is that his ideal, his third ideal, or is that just Zeth being melodramatic? Uh, it, it, it's the second one, first of all, but it also could be the first one at the same time. <laughs> uh, it's to long answer is I don't remember. I'm fairly certain his third ideal is off screen. Um, and that's just him being dramatic about it with Yasna. But I don't believe we've seen, uh, his third ideal on screen. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So yeah, some great stuff with with Zeth here. Interesting turn in his story, for sure. Because I agree with everything you were just talking about, Paul. Unhinged pairing is like a perfect way to describe these two. And yet, is this like a a turning point for Zeth? In that, is he going to switch from just kind of destruction to now he has a purpose, now he is, you know, a force for good by aligning himself to, to, to Dalinar? I gotta say, his whole choice that he's made to align himself to Dalinar, I can't imagine Nail's super thrilled about that. I, I'm i not quite sure how he would react to it, because he seemed like he was just kind of putting the choice in front of Zeth, saying, hey, you know, take a pick, swear to whatever you want to swear to. But, I don't know. I feel like Zeth is now going to be potentially acting very against Nail in the rest of the Skybreakers, so how is that going to play out? Ooh, Okay. I would really, really like to see how that interaction goes with our other heralds there, with Shalash and Talano. Because I want to know what their opinions of Nail are. Like, has Nail gone crazy in recent times? Did he used to be a much more, like, honorable person? Or does he have a further, stronger motive that we don't know? Or I don't know. I don't know what happens with fifth ideals and stuff like these heralds have, so... There's probably a lot that there's still to learn, but I would be really curious to to see that. So maybe if Nail comes around to confront Zeth or talk to Zeth or something, and the other heralds are there, that could play a big part. That's also something I would just absolutely love to see, which I never thought about until now. Anything else with Zeth? little bit next chapter, but I'll wait for them. For sure. The only thing I want to say... We are talking about Delanar, right? Okay, I'll I'll wait until then. Okay. Lift goes up against the, what we're assuming the Edge Dancer equivalent of the Fused is, and she's completely out of her depth. She figures out fairly quickly that she she's tasked with returning the king's drop which side note dalinar doesn't actually know why at this point we're trying to go after the king's drop he just knows odium wants it so dalinar's like oh then i assume i want it too so let's go get the king's drop and then he figures it out later but lift is you know awesomeness herring herself around the battlefield 
and then the other edge dancer fused is clearly outclassing her and she's like oh well i th- i thought this would be easy for me but i guess she has the same powers so she she doesn't get it for a while and they actually end up getting it which are pre- pretty clever the way they end up doing it next episode but we'll talk about that later anything else for these two Delinar. Okay. Dalinar's book. For the first two books, Brandon Sanderson has put Dalinar on this pedestal. And he's this is the the ideal light eyes character. This is who Amram is supposed to be. This is who Sadius is supposed to be. And then Two parts into Oathbringer, he completely destroys the character and has been rebuilding the character back up to this point at this chapter 119. Paul, you want to start this? Because as soon as I give it to Elliot, I don't know when he's going to give it back to us. So go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, well. I, I'm going to let Elliot do all the narration. I don't have... I, I'm, I'm honestly, I've been really curious to hear Elliot's thoughts, sure. so I will hand it over like pretty shortly. The main things I wanted to to say though are, I, I absolutely love the story point that kind of a big part of Dalinar's pinnacle is he is taking responsibility for his actions and not seeking an escape. Absolutely. Right? Um, and that he comes to this point, and it's quite a struggle, like, in a, I guess, internal or whatever you want to call it, psychological struggle. Um, but Dalinar is faced with everything that he has done wrong. And, like, I, I give him the discount, like, the, the grace of blaming it on the thrill, because a lot of it was, like, at the hand of him being like out of his mind and killing people or things like that. And he is saying, no, you didn't have power there. I did those things. I have to live with them because if I can't, if if I didn't do those things, then that means I could not have changed to who I am today. And I absolutely loved that to death. Uh, incredible. The great, great storyline, great like pinnacle. Something that we've been brought up multiple times, even within without the context of Dalinar, is are you still culpable for your actions under the thrill? We've talked about that as soon as how Sadius turned is, are they being mind-controlled? Or back at Rathalas, is this actually Dalinar or is this the thrill? And we finally get our answer to that is, yes, you can overcome the thrill. You can overcome these external spren. You just have to be really good at it which is what Dalinar turns into here. So, Elliot, how many times have you said on this podcast that you're really scared for Dalinar's character? Yes, many times. Go for it. Did this live up to what... Did this redeem Dalinar's character? Did this live up to everything that we've... uh, Everything that's torn down Dalinar's character since the beginning of this, this book? I love this. I loved where this story went. I was terrified. I was terrified for 
Dalinar as a character, I was terrified for my own emotions as Dalinar was going to have to battle with whatever, however this was going to close. How does he reconcile who he is in the present day with who he was in the past? Just like you said, all the way through the first half of Oathbringer, we're learning about all the terrible things that, that, that Dalinar has done in his past. And so we're, we're left with this tough question of who's the real Dalinar? Is the present day Dalinar the fake Dalinar and the the Blackthorn, the, the terrible murderer, is that who he really is and he's just a hypocrite and a fake? And to close that conflict in this way with Dalinar screaming out, you cannot take my pain or, or whatever it is that he that he says and owning that past is so powerful and I thought it was awesome and that that act of saying i take responsibility for this this is an incredibly terrible weight on me but i accept that even though i've done these things it is not right for me to blame odium or blame the thrill for these and it has made me who i am it goes even further in chapter 120 when he's like actually inside the thrill and they're having the little mental tussle inside there. So we'll talk more about that then. But wow, what a really clever and powerful way to wrap all this together and tie and the bow that's tied on top of it is responsibility. And and Dalinar just taking that on and saying, no, I did this. Yes, you were influencing me, but these actions were mine. They are who I am. And then the release that comes after that, the forgiveness that he can accept. And the foil of that is going to be Amaram. But, but it's in chapter 120, so I have to hold off on, on that part of that. Is I want to compare Dalinar's choice here to what Amaram chooses in, in 120. So we'll talk about that. But that's, that's the big thoughts. We probably should actually go through this a little bit kind of in the, the, the events that, that unfold here. So the, the first bit that we have to struggle with here, actually, is the fact that we've been wondering who Odium's champion was going to be for a long time. Who is the champion with nine shadows? Who is Dalinar going to have to face? Because Dalinar is obviously going to be the you know, champion for the good guys. Oh, wait. Dalinar is actually the champion with nine shadows. And I was kind of waiting for a scene with him like actually somehow having nine shadows. I if that happened, I missed it. I didn't really see that. So now I guess it's more of a of a metaphor. But what, what did you guys think? Paul, what did you think about Dalinar all of a sudden being the Odium champion and not the good guys? I got really scared for an instant there. Because I was like, if Odium could probably just take control of Dalinar or something or like inhabit him and then... He was certainly trying. Uh, yeah, he definitely was. and And I thought that was... Yeah, I, I was pretty dumbfounded. I was on the edge of my seat, I guess. I don't know, know if I was sitting or what, but, oh, man. What What did you guys think of that reveal, just as a as a storytelling standpoint? It It was great for me because it was one of those, like, it came as a shock, but then as soon as it comes, you're like, oh, wait, we should have seen that coming because we know what the thrill is capable of. We just saw the thrill you know, inhabit House Sadius' army, turn them against them. Of course, that's Odium's entire plan, is the thrill, to use that to turn 
Galinar. So it would, that that always for me tells me that a, a twist, a story twist is a, is a good one where you're caught off guard, but then as soon as you think about it, you're like, oh yeah. I was I was thinking similarly. Um, I wasn't just completely blown away, like oh my gosh, this is the biggest surprise in the world, but it I didn't see it coming. Can I read the the opening to one nineteen after Reeve? It's after, actually, I'll, I'll read it here in a second, but Odium is battling with Dalinar and saying, you don't have to hurt, you don't have to feel all this pain that you're feeling, because he's shoving terrible memories of what Dalinar has done throughout his life into his head. He literally touches him on the shoulder and gives him memories of Evie burning alive. And Dalinar is in so much pain, so much anguish, he rips his own fingernails off. That's really gross. <laughs> but he goes through all this pain and there's some there's some key lines in here that Odium uses to lie to Dalinar with the truth. Do either of you guys want to talk about this? Yes, I do. There's a bit of this. I'm trying to confirm it now. I think it's in chapter 118. Yep. Where Odium says something to the effect of, you, you never have to feel guilty again. Give, give me your pain and never feel guilty again. And I, and I kind of got, got caught on that for a little bit because that is, it, it's a, it's, it's a seduction technique, right? But it's it's got with it, you know, a hint of like wholesomeness to it, because guilt can absolutely weigh you down, like to the point where you can't even function anymore. I think we've Kaladin is, has feels this sometimes, where he he feels so guilty that he can't, you know, survivor's guilt. Yeah, yeah. And, and Dalinar battles with this too, of feeling about his his past as well. But at the same time, guilt guilt does serve a purpose. There are times when we should feel guilty for things that we've done. If you do something terrible, you shouldn't be able to walk away from that and not feel any guilt. There's there's gonna there's something broken in you if that's true. But odium is using this in a very unhealthy way of saying, give all of your guilt to me, which might sound like a good thing. Release your guilt, move on. But he's, he's using it in a way that's the, oh no, you don't have to take any responsibility for what you've done. Just, just pour it all on me. Just pretend like it never happened. So it's, it's tricky. It's a little bit twisted there, but there's a little bit of, you know, truth or maybe a, a good way to think about it kind of mixed in with the, the lie. what happens in 120 for amaram but we'll we'll get there next week right so we have had the assumption up until this point that the most important step the most important step a man can take is the first one and that's the assumption that dalinar has for this whole book that's not the realization he comes to before he begins to speak his third ideal which we'll get to in a second but he which is one of this is one of my favorite quotes he says to the Stormfather, the most important step a man can take is always the next one. 
that that was an interesting twist on that too because i immediately jumped when i read it for the first time oh the first most important step the first one get going start your journey there was that moment after gavilar died of downer has to do something he's going to change himself like okay he's taking the first step but but i actually like this i don't know if i like this better if i like this the same the most important step being the next one basically the the message there i guess being keep moving keep going keep progressing along the journey right that's that's the most important which okay i'm with it i i'll buy that and what's odium's response to this when he says this it's a physical response he destroys the way of kings ah, yes. in his hands Odium isn't getting through to Dalinar like he thought he would, and so he destroys the way of kings in his hand, thinking that's giving him power. And when I read this initially, I was really mad. I'm like, you can't destroy the way of kings. That's his book. That's his teddy bear. Like he needs that. <laughs> but the that's yeah. the that's the point, you know, like he's not actually the He's not actually getting power from the book. He's getting power from inside himself. He he can do this alone. He doesn't need the way of kings like sure certainly that's been inspiration but it's just a book like you know that that that's the whole point is he doesn't actually need it and odium thinks he does you're right trevor he shouldn't be allowed to hurt dalinar's book that's so rude how dare he exactly but i see what you're saying and and that's really cool and it was cool to see that in the sense of like, okay, Dalinar is here. It's not just his reliance on the the way of kings. It's like given him this strength. And then I want to read the opening to to one nineteen. Dalinar forced himself to his feet. You cannot have my pain. Be sensible. I killed those children. Dalinar said, "I burned the people of Rathalas." I was there influencing you. You cannot have my pain, Dalinar bellowed, stepping towards Odium. The god frowned. His fused companions shied back, and Amram ran his hand before his eyes and squinted. I did kill the people of Rathalas, Dalinar shouted. You might have been there, but I made the choice. I decided. He stilled. I killed her. It hurts so much, but I did it. I accept that. You cannot have her. You cannot take her from me again. Dalinar, Odium said, what do you hope to gain keeping this burden? Dalinar sneered at the god. If I pretend, if I pretend I didn't do those things, it means that I can't have grown to become someone else. Skipping a little bit. I will take responsibility for what I have done, Dalinar whispered. If I must fall, I will rise each time a better man. Which actually and the, the go ahead. I was just I was just going to add one thing. The one important nugget that you in the in the second section that you skipped over there, he adds in, it cannot be a journey if it doesn't have a beginning. And yeah, this whole sequence, so powerful, so cool, and and it shows. Yes, Dalinar came from the very terrible acts that he's done, but that was that's not who he is. That was where he's come from. He's journeyed from there to where he is now. Right. 
that last phrase that I read is actually turns into his his third ideal, uh, which the doubt or which the Stormfather accepts uh, as as the words the next time we revisit them. So, and he sounds really surprised too. He's like, "These words are accepted, <laughs> right?" <laughs> so, the whole book has led to this this paragraph right here. What are you guys' thoughts on Delinar's third ideal? I love it. For all the reasons we were just talking about this this theme of responsibility and where he's going with this. And <clears throat> it makes me think about what it means to be a bondsmith. We're trying to learn about you know the different orders of Knights Radiant. And we know that the bondsmiths, there's not very many of them. There's only three. Or maybe there's a wild theory that maybe now there's only one. But uh, this is quite a burden. This is quite a weight. If, if his ideal is going to revolve around taking responsibility and bringing that onto himself and owning it. We're not talking about like, you know, a group of a thousand or hundreds of thousands of, of people coming together to shoulder burden. We're talking about three people. Three people taking responsibility for what's going on. That's huge. Like really huge. And I also loved it. Could I say more? It was it was great. I had a great time. His power that he unlocks is honors perpendicularity. How many or which of you guys were confused about the rules of what's about to happen here? I, confused is not really the right word. It was more of like a, I'm not even going to try and understand what's going on here. I'm just going to keep reading. So I'm going to make a jump here and say that this is a Bondsmith thing. Okay. Okay. Um, um, and I don't know. I just don't know. I wish I knew. Um, I was a little confused. I... Like... It seemed like something that was drawn from honor itself. Like, I don't imagine the Stormfather could do this. So I was a little confused. Is he going to somehow bring honor back? Or, like, does he have some power from honor? Like, I don't know. There's there's a couple key phrases, which actually is really interesting to highlight, which I hope you... Which I'll highlight for you, which you might have missed. Odium, as soon as this happens, what does Odium say? He's like backing away and he's screaming out like, we killed you. I thought we killed you. Right. Odium sees honor himself and, and accuses that I killed you. We killed you. You, you can't exist because I killed you. He's Odium sees honor himself. And the storm father is super surprised at this because this has never happened before on any bondsmith that he's ever had before Storm, the Stormfather says, "Oh, I've bonded with humans before. This has never happened. We don't we don't do perpendicularities here." So 
he takes the the physical, the spiritual, and the cognitive realm and combines them into the same place, which one creates an infinite well of stormlight, which infuses all the spheres on the battlefield, which they're kind of scattered from last or from last week, and he pulls Shalon, Adolin, and uh, Kaladin in from the cognitive realm into the physical realm and infuses all the, like, the beads. The beads turn to glass in in Shadesmar there. And so, which we'll get to this more in 120, but the, the Knights Radiant that have assembled here, they use the power for like a couple minutes, not from the gemstones, but from the perpendicularity itself. So... Stormlight comes from the spiritual realm via the the high storm, and this is essentially a high storm, a mini high storm right here. So it's like somehow a direct channel, like straight from the spiritual realm. It's like no, we don't even need a, a storm. We're going to shortcut straight to the source of the power, and everybody's going to be super powered for a while. I. Another twist, again, not maybe the, the biggest twist ever, but a little bit, the whole unite them bit that Downer's been chasing for as long as we've known him. Like that that's what he was taking out of those visions that he was seeing for the from the very beginning. And at first we thought that it was unite the people of Alethkar. Then we thought, you know, maybe it's oh, unite the the whole of Roshar, everybody. And then it's, oh, maybe it's Unite all of the Orders of Night Radiant. Like We've had a lot of theories about what Unite them would mean. Now we have another one that's maybe the answer. I don't, I'm not quite sure at this point. Unite the realms, the three different realms. Bring them together. That's not at all what we had thought that meant in the past. This, this was the biggest moment. My favorite Dalinar part or scene so far, it is this the fact that he like brought all three realms together? One because that's incredibly incredible, like no words for it. And two because we don't really get any interaction with the spiritual realm, really. And so I'm kind of desperate for something. Like I kind of want to know what goes on there. Like I know that's where Stormlight comes from. We know like a couple things. Um, but I'm just really curious. And so it was kind of brought into play with them. And then he emits this humongous golden, like, pillar of light and imbues everything with stormlight. It was quite the feat. Like, it was quite a visual, you know, <laughs> spectacle going on. Um, we have an interaction, a one-liner interaction from the spiritual realm. What What was it? Did it did it say something with Odium as well? I don't I don't remember. It referred to the spiritual realm as Odium has shown it had shown him before when he invaded yes. the vision that because yes. that's the one time he'd seen the spiritual realm before. Mm -hmm. But there's another line. He hears a woman's voice, and it tells him, "I forgive you." And it's Evie. It doesn't say that explicitly, but yes, it's Evie. I had to think about it for a bit, and then it hit me. 
Oh, that's Evie. Yeah, powerful moment. And then he turns around and sees his Knights Radiant Avengers Assemble moment. We have, well, let's do the roll call here. We have... I, I want to help with this. Go ahead. See, see okay. if you can, you can name them all. First, thought it was really cool because it talks about Dalinar and he's like glowing golden. Or sort of, at least a golden like hue. And then, out from his like left and right come... Kaladin and Shallan. Kaladin is kind of glowing blue and Shallan is kind of glowing red. I envisioned them all with a little silhouette of their like <laughs> respective color, which was really neat. Sure. Um and then is that when Yasna and Renarin arrive and Renarin heals, which is cool also because just side note that before, Renarin couldn't really heal, but he successfully heals Adolin here. Right. I just thought it was interesting, because it was kind of messed up before. Anyways, and then isn't that when Zeth and Lyft kind of fly onto the scene? Right. But like, what are you doing here, Mr. Assassin White? Didn't you try to kill us last time? And he's like, no, I pledged my allegiance to the United States of Dalinar Kulin. And then... <laughs> uh, and then... uh and then, how many is that? That's that's seven. Yep. And then our Dustbringer, Shalash, and Stoneward, Talonel, also come onto the scene. Yep. Which they pause they there for a second. Mm -hmm. I found that pretty hilarious. That they just kind of like sidle up and they're like. Oh, great. We've got two more orders here. Fantastic. Moving on. No one else thinks any further about that. There are two heralds standing yeah. here in this lineup of all the orders that we've got here. And everyone's just like, yeah. oh, great. Two more. Cool. Let's, uh, let's do this. Like, yeah. ah! Where's, so, where's this our is also assuming This is also assuming Renarin's a real truth watcher, which he heals, true, so true. I'm assuming he's a real truth watcher, whatever. Maybe it's complicated, but like he's our truth watcher right now. So we're only missing a will shaper, right? Okay. Okay. I think when reading this, I was under the assumption that Shalash was probably a will shaper. Okay. Because she seemed nice, and our Dustbringers haven't seemed very friendly. And also we know Melada is a Dustbringer, so I was like, is she going to somehow come into the scene? I didn't figure she would be on their side. Um... I was thinking the same but thing, I and I was actually thinking that perhaps it was going to be symbolic that she's not there. Like, m maybe Malata was supposed to be there, and the fact that she's not was going to be important. But Trevor, then you dashed all that by telling us that Shalosh is the, the Dustbringer representative here, yeah. so Dustbringers are here. Right. Yes, so we only don't have a Will Shaper, and we've never seen a Will Shaper as far as I know. I don't know but if we've even seen reference to a Will Shaper, let alone a like, yeah. have we even seen that in the book? But then Trevor will be like, did you even read the prelude? Like, <laughs> did you even read the prologue of book one, two, and three? But who else is did here? There's one more person standing here. Adolin. Okay, right. there's two more people standing here. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Venli's here. Correct. Venli is the only fused singer, whatever you want to call her, who does not shy away from 
Dalinar. And she is standing there. Not in the same shot as everybody else, looking over Dalinar's shoulder back at the city. That Venli's in front, but Venli is there. And I've been suspicious. One, that Venli's going to become a Night Radiant. Ever, ever since she's been towing this little spren around Timber, I, we, we've had the guess that this is, you know, the beginning steps of her becoming a, a Knight's Radiant because she's, you know, hiding it from all the fuse and from Odium and all this. And spoilers, because I think this happens in 120. Yeah, right? spoilers for next she, week. She, yeah. She does end up going on and, and saying the first ideal. We'll get to that in more detail. But I've been I've been suspicious already that maybe she's on the track to become a will shaper just because we know nothing about will shapers and her spren doesn't look familiar. It doesn't I, I'm not getting any vibes of any of the other orders that we've seen a little bit. So I already kind of had her chalked up as potentially going to be a will shaper. So I'm definitely on board with the actually all 10 orders are here if you count Venley. That's a good, yeah. Uh, maybe not. Behind that, yeah. That would make a lot of sense. We've talked about a lot this episode. Any any closing thoughts? Anything else we didn't touch on? I have three. I have three things I want to touch real quick. Okay. That we kind of kind of went over. First. Dalinar has created what they're what we're calling honors perpendicularity, right? This huge well of stormlight bridging the the realms allows our our heroes to travel back from Shadesmar. That got me thinking. Our heroes were at one point originally trying to travel to a different perpendicularity, cultivation's perpendicularity. Does that mean? That there's a person out there wielding this type of power in the name of cultivation. And or is the perpendicularity tied to the bondsmiths? Is that maybe cultivation's perpendicular they're trying to get to? The location of another one of our bondsmiths, the one associated with cultivation. Do you remember where that was? They talked about like near the Horn Eater Peaks or something like that? Correct. That's, we, we, that originates from the Horn Eaters kind of religion of they're close to the Spren, they can see Spren. The perpendicularity is there, it's consistently there, and then they talk about another perpendicularity that kind of jumps around and is unpredictable. Remember that? Yes. But the cultivation's perpendicularity, the one that's consistent, is in the Horn Eater Peaks. Now I'm really curious, what is there? What is there creating that perpendicularity or facilitating that? Is it a person? Is it tied to like a location? Now I'm really curious. We've never really interacted with the Hornader Peaks exact like much or anything. I it could just be some sage old leader there who's just casually the Yeah. Cultivation Bondsmith. So, what if it's our Bondsmith Herald? Could that be a thing? I don't know. It's messy. It's complicated. But the only 
thing that is maybe persuading me against this whole bondsmiths have thing have something to do with the perpendicularity is the Stormfather seems very surprised when Dalinar does this. We we mentioned it a second ago even. The Stormfather says, Hey, nobody's ever done this before. So that makes me th- maybe lean a little bit in the opposite direction of maybe there's not a bondsmith chilling out in the Horn Eater Peaks running the, the cultivations perpendicularity, but I'm not fully convinced one way or the other. We are pretty much at the amount of knowledge I had at the beginning of this podcast. And f- since that point, since I finished Oathbringer, I have this crazy theory that I've always intended to make a video about, and maybe I'll include you guys in now that you're here. But I just want to teaser it real quick. Maybe maybe this will give me motivation to actually make it. My crazy idea, my crazy theory, is that there is a fourth shard on Roshar that nobody knows about. And it is titled Unity. Capital U, Unity. And Dalinar is not summoning Honor's Perpendicularity here, but Unity's Perpendicularity here. We can get into more of that later, especially Rhythm of War. There's some stuff that I want to talk about Rhythm of War. Get into more of that later. But that's my crazy theory, because Unite Them doesn't really seem to be paralleled with Honor that much. It's kind of its own thing. And when he summons this perpendicularity, Dalinar talks about he feels a warmth that he's felt once before. Do you remember that line? Vaguely. It's in this chapter. He's like, and he feels a warmth that he felt once before and then claps his hands together. That doesn't have to seem to have to do with honor. It seems to have to do with unite them. My theory is there's another shard on Roshar unity that nobody knows about. But we can talk about more, more of that later. I just got to say, I am so excited. I love the fact that we've gotten to this point where, where Trevor can spin a theory that's unconfirmed. We, we've, we, you and I, Paul, have made it far enough to where we can start to have some of those conversations of what's next for this series, and no one can answer our questions. Like, I love the fact that we're getting to that point. Uh, I 100% agree. <laughs> I'm sure Trevor's excited too. I was thinking similarly. Right. Uh, this is the first time I've heard Trevor give an actual theory that yeah. I'm like, oh, he's like, actually, like, this is something he is guessing on. Like, oh, what if this? And I've never gotten to hear that. He'll be he may throw one out as a joke because I'm like, oh, Shalon is light song, by the way. But <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. We made it. We made it, Elliot. Sort of. We did. We did. We still have a whole other book. We do. We're sure. Another book. We still have a couple chapters left here. True. And like a what? Yeah. We're gonna watch uh, Zeth get to the fifth ideal by the end of this book, and then save the world. It's gonna be super sick. Goodness. So that was topic one. I still have two more. Ah. Second one, while we're talking about shards and gods and entities, 
we mentioned this, but I want to I want to circle back to it and focus on it for a second. Odium sees honor when Dalinar unleashes whatever this power is, right? Odium like full on retreats. We don't even see Odium after this, which is pretty crazy. But what he says there in that moment, he says, where is it? I missed it in my notes. We killed you. That's what he says. Right. We killed you. What I was expecting him to say was, I killed you. Yep. So now, I'm spinning some crazy theories here. Who's the we? Who's the we? Like, pause for a second. Odium doesn't seem to be the person to include, like, his minions in his plans. So it, I, I would guess he's not talking about, like, the fused and all of his little, you know, pawns. So who is helping Odium? Who, who is the other actor here? There, there's only one other being, like, on this level that we even know of, and that's Cultivation. There's a there's a big theory attached to this too. Keep going if you have more. I I'll just close it with the the obvious. What if what if cultivation is not necessarily on the side we think she is? What if cultivation helped Odium kill Honor and used Nightblood to do it? Ooh, maybe. And gave all, it all the, of this. And gave it to the Night Watcher all... after. <laughs> if it, if anything could do it, Nightblood could. I I would I would be on that train for sure. Night I I could see Nightblood being the tool that did that. But all of this, based on on the swap of a single pronoun right. in one sentence, Odium says we, and my mind starts to go crazy. Who is we? I have got to know. On that, Trevor, I have two thoughts. One, touching back to Nightblood. Nightblood loves talking about a lot of things, right? Always talks about Vasher, right? It's always like, Vasher used to draw me, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vasher didn't talk or much. Or Vasher whatever. let me have fun sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And we haven't heard of another wielder. So if that were the case, I it would be Vasher or Xyle that killed honor right if he was wielding it right so that's just some food for thought i guess if that's if that is the case second off on the Wii, i kind of just thought it was him and the unmade because the unmade are pretty prominent and strong they're not his level they're still beneath him but that was kind of my thought was he used the unmade to corrupt and defeat honor and I wouldn't be shocked if that's the truth. That I would not be shocked if I'm going way too far with this and he really is just talking about, hey, me and my homies here, we, we, we took down honor. But I don't know, for some, for some reason, that doesn't seem like odium to me. And that's all I'm going off of to now pin up a, a maybe completely insane theory on the whiteboard. anything else i'll try not to push into my other theory because there's plenty of things that i could talk about but i will save it for a a later date a year and a half from now when we start book five yep Mm -hmm. all right one last thing one last thing then we can wrap up 
there's a there's a being who's kind of chilling in this scene and doesn't do anything. And I was really waiting for this being to do something, and they don't throughout the entirety, even through the end of 120. And that's the shadowy, dark, smoky spren that's just kind of hanging out with Odium. We we saw it a couple of chapters ago. We see it mentioned like twice, maybe, through this, and then maybe like once in chapter, maybe not even at all in 120. Not sure. But what and who is that? Our, my only guess was that maybe that was another unmade, but it doesn't seem to do anything the whole time. Oh, you mean Odium's perpendicularity? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. So, okay, so spoilers for next week. You did. You did see it do something. It's not, like, completely spelled out, but that's Yeliknar. Oh, that's Yelik. Okay. So, okay. Odium in this chapter hands Amram a sphere and says, yep. swallow it. That's yep. Yeliknar. And oh. Yeliknar, we'll get into this more next week, but Yeliknar, as Amram and Kaladin are fighting, takes over... Amaram, like like he did a Queen Asudon back in Kolinar, back in part three. That's that's Yelignar, the presence of the other unmade. You are correct that it's another unmade. Got it. I did not follow that at all. That makes way more sense. I was waiting for that presumably unmade to do something. I did not catch the connection that that was actually Yelignar. I definitely saw that Yelignar was here and was going to kind of ask, like, where the heck did Yelignar come from? Okay, was standing there the whole time. Got it. Okay. With that, we can close this week and talk about 120 in its full detail next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot, and let's reconvene next week. Whew. <laughs> <laughs>